Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Dog on Good Information, and welcome my co-host Tommy Fahey. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Heidi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Excited to uh, be doing another episode. I really enjoy doing these, and uh, hope we can provide some good information to folks and just some entertainment as well, which we're both some edutainment. Edutainment. As we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I get dog stories and always uh, always looking for something that I think would be interesting to share. And uh, I came across something on NPR recently, and it talks about uh, dogs are good for our health. And okay. I, I think I said recently in a podcast, my sister says, every animal is an emotional support animal, <laughs> especially every dog. <laughs> but, you know, even just those of us who don't call them an emotional support animal, just have our pets and love them, that they're good for our health. And um, one is that they experience wonder and awe in a, in a uh, pretty, pretty often, right? Like they're, wow, that's really cool. And they're, they have this, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. And also that um, in a scientific way, they, Five to 20 minutes with a dog, any good interaction, your oxytocin level goes up and your cortisol goes down, that it huh. actually tests that way. So, okay. yeah, I thought the scientific part of you would really enjoy that. So my uh, serotonin levels, our oxytocin levels should be really high and then my cortisol levels should be really low because I'm around animals all day long. That's right. It should be. That's fairly accurate, actually. Interesting. The, the more I'm around them, uh, the calmer I am. And I, I live in that sort of calm, pleasant state yeah. for most of my existence, uh, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but compared to other people who maybe are not around them as much, live in more chaos and more highs and lows and all of that. It's funny because I think about the same thing and I, I, wouldn't have attributed it to actual science or like levels, you know, of hormones or such. I think about it because it's, I think it's my happy place because it takes away from thinking about me or whatever's going mm -hmm. on with me and that I have to be on my game for the animals around me and then they make me feel good. Or if I have one that's misbehaving, getting on the other side of that makes me feel good. And I feel like yeah. we've done something productive. But apparently there's there's science behind that and actual uh, blood tests that can tell you that stuff. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think about a lot of the friends that I have in this business and, and other professional animal trainers and, and handlers. And I would say the majority of them are very calm, happy people. There's some outliers. Don't get me wrong. You know, there, there's a few crazy ones in there. Um, and certainly amateurs that are uh, on the outlying spectrum for sure. But a lot of the, some of the best trainers, I think are very uh, level calm people that seem very um, like they have low cortisol levels and high oxytocin levels. I would uh, have attributed that. I probably would have attributed that for myself more to the output of exercise I get when I'm around yeah. animals and that, that lowers your anxiety and it, your, cause in my, in my world, my anxiety feeds when I don't have a lot of, uh, exercise output, you know, energy. So sure. I kind of attributed it to that, but 
I would I would agree. I think I'm kind of at my best when I'm uh, interacting with animals on a daily basis, and uh, so yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. There's there's yeah, actually something really, behind it. Huh? Yeah. I have to study myself. Is there a way I can do? Yeah, do do <laughs> some blood tests for yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> I like the experience, wonder and awe, because it is true. Like the dogs will just the littlest things make them like, oh, you know, they just yeah. and it it's pretty cool when you think about it that way. There's isn't there a saying about something about experiencing the world through the eyes of a child? Yeah. A similar um, scenario, yeah. Can, yeah, you could totally say that experiencing the world through the eyes of a dog. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that being too fearful, it's our job to bring them out of that. And I think about kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a show right now, and we see kids after the show, and there's so many timid, nervous kids. And some of my colleagues are like, oh, they, you know, don't force them or that to take pictures with us or whatever. And I'm kind of the opposite, like, don't force them, but really strongly encourage it because being timid your whole life is not a good thing. And yeah, where did they lose their wonder and awe of inquisitive? I think when you get an animal trained well, they become inquisitive and not scared and timid of everything. I say that all the time. Yeah. That should be the goal. Right. When they become inquisitive in the environment. Right. What is that? A firework? What is that? Or a scary tarp or something? Not, Oh yeah. Right. Not a full on shutdown. That's when I know I'm getting my training right. Because yeah. um, when they when they just kind of look at something and then look at me, it's like, oh, we're getting this. This is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. They're comfortable in their environment. Yeah. And if you're listening, you can do that. I promise you, you can do that. Very, very seldom is the animal we can't do that with, no matter how timid or scared they may seem. So, all yeah. right. I- I have a story for you about, uh, or maybe a question, I would say. Uh, I am getting ready to uh, house sit, farm sit, for some friends of mine. And they have, um, really, I'm there for the the horses. They have six horses. Okay. Um, And then they also have three dogs. And I'm bringing Jimmy Dean with me to go stay at their house. And we're going to stay in the house with their three dogs. Which are what breed? Um, what kind of dogs? So we have a, a variety. We have two little dogs that are uh, similar to, to your trooper, actually. One of them is a little Maltipoo cross. Oh, God guy. help you. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's another little cross, a little brown. Uh, not sure exactly what he is, but uh, some sort of a, a little cross, uh, maybe 10 12 pounds, something like that. Okay. And then they have a large intact male silver lab. Oh, interesting. So I've, I've talked about the silver lab on the podcast before. Uh, his name is Ammo. And he's the dog that uh, used to greet me by jumping on my shoulders. Oh, yeah. And when he stands up, he's as tall as I am. Yeah. Um, so interesting. I, I'm there uh, several days a week at this farm. Okay. And now Ammo greets me by laying down and rolling over on his back and showing me his belly. Interesting. So I've I've flipped that interaction. Yeah. Um, and, and we talked about this in the uh, operant conditioning episode. Uh, was that instead of interacting with him when he came up and jumped on me, I would pull my attention away from him and ignore him. Right. And then when he would start to sit, then I would interact with him. And then I started encouraging him to, to lay down 
and then I wouldn't interact with him until he laid down and rolled over. So wow. now okay. he comes. He's excited to see me, but he comes up and flops on the ground and gives me his belly. Excellent. Which is really pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be there for a week. And I'm bringing Jimmy Dean with me. And they've all interacted and met before, but we haven't been kind of all in the house together. Um, so th- I think the the biggest issues or the things that maybe are most concerned about is uh, feeding routine. Yeah. Because they're on a little different schedule and a little different feed program than what Jimmy Dean is on. Um, and then are they going to be territorial over their environment uh, in the house, particularly because normally they interact out in the barn. Right. Um, males, or, females. What are these dogs? Uh, they're all male. Okay. Uh, the two small ones are, are neutered and then, uh, Amos, the large one is intact. Interesting. Um, so I don't think we're really going to have too many issues. He's generally super well behaved and, uh, you know, they, like I said, they have interacted before, um, but, uh, it'll be an interesting, uh, week there farm sitting for them. Um, so what comes to mind? Yeah. What comes interact? to mind is Caesar Milan. He's mm-hmm. got his pack of dogs and he's, he's a badass, in my opinion. He has some big aggressive dogs. He takes on dogs that, you know, other people have to give up because they just can't handle them. And um, he introduces part of, on his show, he brings dogs out and introduces them to his pack, especially a dog that's real full of themselves or whatever. And he brings people out to put in his pack who are real timid and not stepping up for their own dogs. So my first thought is, and this for me as well, is that you need to stand up and be the alpha and just tell everybody what's going to happen, right? Right. It could be a little easier said than done, but... Since they've already been together, and as you know, we try to maybe have a meet through some kind of fence or something for a while. Sure, have a um, barrier. Yeah, if it were me, I'd probably, I have a, one of those dog runs that I yeah. might bring and put my dog in it and let them go nose to nose and see, they might walk away right away and not care. And so yeah. that that's how I would approach it. You said they've already kind of gotten together, but, and certainly one-on-one. Like not yeah. all three on one. Don't let them gang up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the big dog, you know, certainly separate and then the little dogs. But I'm I knowing you how I do, I know you'll be fine. I appreciate your asking the question and because other people are going through this, which is I know yeah. why you're doing that. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, it, there's lots of different thoughts and things that you maybe would or wouldn't think about co- going into this. Yeah. The food thing I don't think is as big of a deal. Not for me, anyhow. It's um, I'm going to separate them to eat anyhow, likely. Yeah. So I've had that with my board and trained dogs. Um, if somebody's really hell bent on a schedule, otherwise I just put them on my schedule. But yeah, it shouldn't be too big of an issue. I don't think the schedule will be so much of an issue as much as um, them not fighting over food. Well, you know, I would, so I would have. Yeah, Jimmy, they're, what they do, they already do, whether they all yes. eat together or separately. But I would have Jimmy Dean in that run or in his kennel or in the set, the laundry room or something to eat. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. He's, I, I wouldn't just turn him loose. While, yeah, while no, I wouldn't think so. Um, but yeah, that's uh, all things that I'm kind of considering as I'm. Oh, I can't wait till we do a podcast week. after you've done the dog sitting and yeah, have, have your observations. Stories, sure. Yeah. Out of curiosity, yeah. the intact male is he young and are they, is it something they want to breed? He is, uh, I believe he's three or four. Oh, okay. They, they have used him for breeding. Oh, okay. Um, so they intentionally have left him intact and, and are intentionally breeding him. Um, a silver lab? Silver. Oh, yeah. interesting. Very unique. Yeah. Um, looks kind of the same color as like a Weimaraner. Oh, right. Okay. That sort of gray. Yeah. Wow, uh, I don't know that it, I've seen one of those. I had not ever run into it. It's a nice. variation, I understand, on the chocolate lab. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, so it's kind of a similar tone with like the uh, the darker pulled out of it. Uh, well, so no doubt really, by by the time these people get home, you'll have the dog doing a whole routine or something. Oh, I'm going to have an entire act. <laughs> if he already lays home. down and gives you his belly, you'll be, you yeah. know, you'll be... He's, yeah, uh, he's a really super well-behaved dog. Yeah, um, for not even just for being an intact male, but in general, he's a well-behaved dog. Interesting. Um, and they put a lot into uh, obedience training. And oh, good. Uh, th- their original intention, I think, was actually to have him be a hunting dog. Um, and the hunting dog trainer called them after a few days and said, "What you have here is a really nice pet." <laughs> you don't have a hunting dog you have a very nice pet i love it uh, so yeah it's gonna be an interesting week i i think it'll be fun though okay well good excellent i i do look forward to to hearing about that after your experience yeah. but i know you'll be fine so um, <laughs> you'll have a lot of fun with it. yeah and yeah. it's funny because jimmy dean i think is like trooper he's like we don't need other dogs. We're good. We're good here. Exactly. You, do, you know, don't don't think about getting other dogs, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, we can dog sit, but let's stop right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trooper is still not happy. Otis is in the house, and Otis He's, follows. What are you doing here? Yeah, Trooper's the Maltese. He's about seven pounds, little white furry dog, full of personality. He's very well trained. He's a little stinker, but he's he knows better. And mm-hmm. usually does a good job. And then Otis is the big uh, party color, brown and white poodle, who's just like, Trooper, where are you, Trooper? You know, and Trooper's like, come on, don't follow me around like that. A little stinker. He's like big brother that wants yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> I said Trooper's the kind who'll go start a fight with a big dog and then say, my big brother's going to come and get you. And I was like, uh-huh. not me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So a story I came across, a nice story this week is, um, the Georgia uh, Police Department in um, one of the counties in Georgia just added 12 police dogs oh, to wow. their uh, their police force. Okay. And um, it's really cool because they um, the first lady of Georgia is Marty Kemp, Governor Kemp is the governor of Georgia. They One of the dogs she actually rescued from, it's a German Shepherd, got it from a shelter and asked them if they would put it in the program. So okay. 12 dogs just became official um, police dogs. And wow. the article, it's a uh, U.S. news article that goes on to say in, an, in a climate where defunding the police, but yet there's definitely a, a desire and direction to bring in more of the police dogs. 
And uh, gosh, they do great work. And the, I love it because the training, the foundation training is so great. And then they take them to the next level. I, yeah. I really want to do a segment on working dogs. Um, trying to get my son's neighbor up in Vermont is a, has a bomb dog, bomb sniffing dog. Okay. And I, we don't know if he could do the podcast because he works for the government. Oh, and yeah. uh, I said, can't that we just talk just generic, generically, you know? But I'm really intrigued, and uh, he's done a lot of the training. So, okay. but yeah, but these police dogs are excellent. And in Georgia, they honor a police dog who was killed um, in the line of duty. That's uh, his name escapes me, but um, that it was a big story, and so people are very aware of it, and uh, it's really cool. So, so 12, yeah. 12 new police dogs. and That's a large investment. Yeah, uh, not, for sure. Not only monetarily, but uh, in resources and time and, and the training that went into that. Oh, to, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And ongoing training because it's not, they're right. never finished. That's right. Yeah. Um, and they, they have to do a lot of work with them ongoing. Uh, there are some programs where they have um, in, in prisons, with Mustang horses and dogs from shelters, which I think is absolutely spectacular because they're captive there, the folks are there, and what a great way to teach them leadership and give them a mission to work with animals and some of these bigger aggressive dogs where some of these people have a lot of chutzpah, you know? And yeah. uh, so I think it's, it's one of the answers to the problem of the overcrowding in the shelters of these dogs that are hard to adopt out. You know. Well, and to pull it back to the uh, scientific oxytocin and uh, cortisol Well, there you levels, go, yeah. You've got people in a high-stress environment, um, you know, putting them with, with animals and having good interactions might actually kind of temper some of them. Yeah, that's a great thought. I hadn't um, hadn't considered that, but it's. It, I rely on you for the scientific mind, Tommy. I just <laughs> report the stories. I'm always thinking along those lines. Yeah. No, it's great. It's uh, and I was telling you that um, I, I encourage you folks to listen to my other podcast called Animal Tales, because I just had on a fellow who reminded me so much of you because he has an animal science degree, and his name is um, J.J. Jones, and he's from the National Institute of uh, Animal Agriculture and uh, for Animal Agriculture. And what a what a really interesting. It's coming out. It'll be out in September. The podcast. But really getting into the science um, of of animal agriculture, but just folks who enjoy listening to you would would definitely enjoy the podcast. So yeah, check out Animal Tales. Yeah, for sure. So today, um, instead of a p specific topic, we're um, over a dozen podcasts in. We started in March with Doggone Good, and it's exciting because we're up to this is our seventeenth episode. Who'd have it's thunk hard it? To imagine, yeah, <laughs> it, it really flies by, and I, I so enjoy doing these, and we're still finding our following and such, and we'll we'll get I'll get a little more creative about how to reach out to people. But for those of you listening, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share it and let us know what you want to hear. But I thought maybe we'd go through Tommy some of our favorite episodes, and um, and we're not all about training. Our the goal with the podcast was just to provide. I believe there's an open lane in dog and animal information. 
And so much of it is emotional. And I did a lot of benchmarking. I listened to podcasts. I went on YouTube and uh, all the mediums to see what kind of animal information is out there. There's, there's some really good dog training podcasts, but that's not the goal of ours to teach you how to train your dog. We touch on that, but it's more about, um, how to even start out. Do you, do you, should you get a dog? How do you source your dog? And, um, what, what's the right breed for you? And can you go to a shelter or a breeder? You know, because we we kind of vilify breeders and there are pet store bands out there. So we break all that down. That was an episode we did um, in uh, episode five, where to get a dog when you're ready. And we talk about all the different places. And, you know, I just encourage people not to buy into the emotion of it all or all breeders are bad or all pet stores need to be banned. There's, as my podcast is all about, there's more to these stories And we're trying to break that down for you. So, you know, when you're, the podcasts are very diverse. So again, where to source your pet, um, you can get it from a breeder, you can get it from a pet store, you can get it from a shelter or rescue. There's pros and cons to all of them. The shelters Mm -hmm. and rescues aren't the sole answer to this. And then we did a podcast about, um, Actually, I did a podcast on Animal Tales with Patty Strand, but we also talked about it, the adopt, don't shop, and that shelters are are the way to go. And there's so much more to that story. They're importing dogs from other countries, adoptable, cute, adoptable dogs to fill up shelters. Because when they say shelters are full here, those are usually breeds that are difficult to find a home for. And with good reason. I feel so bad for the dogs, but that doesn't mean the answer is to bring them into homes that aren't equipped to take care of big or aggressive breeds. And I will stand by that because I think it's making our, our neighborhoods very unsafe. You bring home a bull, a bully cross or a bulldog pit bull and think love and cookies is going to be the answer. So that was podcast number four, adopt, don't shop and what's involved with shelters. So those are a couple of mine that come a couple podcasts that come to mind that I want people to understand. What about you? What are some of the episodes that come to mind for you that we've done? Well, one of my favorites is one of the the first ones that we did. I think it was this actually second episode was talking about uh, the science of training um, and operant conditioning um, and and talking about the the whole spectrum of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so often misunderstood I think it's so often um, used for the wrong reasons for marketing purposes. Which is, Um, I train with positive reinforcement only. It's not, it's only part of operant conditioning, which we break down. Yeah. Tommy made a chart. There's a whole chart. (laughs) I spent hours on Canva. Uh, No, but interesting because I've now, because I did that, then I I use it now more often. Yeah. I think more specifically about that, um, where maybe before I wasn't uh, being as specific and I was going more on feel, that now I I really have more of a thought process on which one of these quadrants am I in and and is it appropriate. I totally do too. It's funny you say that because I was thinking about that recently, even with Otis. If I had to explain this, 
Because yeah. growing up a third generation trainer, nobody explained what they were doing. It was a feel thing. My father was just magnificent and my grandfather, great trainers, but they didn't narrate as they went along like a clinician does. So right. I learned that from other clinicians like a Caesar Milan and uh, Brandon McMillan um, giving words to that and operant conditioning. It's not something I grew up knowing about the word, but I, I saw it in action. Yeah. So now I really do think, not to interrupt you, but I, I too think about what quadrant am I, am I in? And it makes me really more thoughtful. And I like that. Yeah. I find, uh, I teach a lot of riding lessons, a lot of course training. Yeah. Uh, and I find I become a better trainer because I'm teaching, because I'm having to be thoughtful and explain what it is that I'm doing yeah. and not just go in and do it. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, and even to an extent talking about it on this podcast yeah, uh, has make, made me a little more thoughtful about what I'm doing uh, with my own dog, with Jimmy Dean. I, I'm more thoughtful about, um, you know, is, is this actually in his best interest? Am I letting my, my bar be a little too low mm -hmm. for some of his, uh, you know, behaviors or problem issues or, or whatever. Um, and it has helped me raise my bar and, and my expectations and he's better for it. Yeah. Yeah. And we so. talk a lot about, on this podcast about setting the bar high um, in all of the episodes. It probably comes up. But yeah. Uh, what another episode? Something else that comes to mind? Uh, so we did an episode with my friend Jessica. That's funny because that's one puppy. for me, too, that I loved. She was terrific. Yeah. yeah. She's a fantastic guest. Really well spoken. Uh, and what I really liked about that is... Uh, learning more about her rescue and how they operate and the, yeah. uh, not only the fact that they're operating a rescue, but that they're offering support to the people that actually come in and totally take these dogs into their home, that they're not just turned loose, you know, good luck. Here's your dog. Uh, hope it works out but they actually have training classes and follow-ups and, and they have support there. Very uh, realistic too. Absolutely. Not this blue sky. It's going to be loving cookies when you get home. And yeah, yeah. that was and episode she, 10, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she did a great job of uh, explaining that and, and going through, you know, what the uh, real issues are. They put uh, a in, foundation in on the operation. dogs before they rehome them. And yeah. that's a noble task. We need, she needs to be cloned. Cause I remember yes. even asking <laughs> her, you know, do other shelters try to bring you in to show you what they do? And she said, I don't have time. Yes, no, they try, yeah. but she's running a grooming. She's running a, doesn't she do doggy daycare or boarding? And yeah, then she has a shelter. Daycare, yeah. Uh, grooming. They do the, the rescue organization and then within the same building, they have a veterinarian. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A lot going on. Yeah. Uh, at the yuppie puppy in St. Louis. Yes. Uh, or just outside of St. Louis. Yeah. She was terrific. Yeah. Episode 10. Then episode 13, we did breed specific legislation. It's such mm. a tough such a tough topic because it's never the animal's fault. And my heart truly breaks for the animals. But this is talk about the definition of dilemma. You know, it's not a solution. There's no solution for this. Um, and I think we have to get more creative. And I think it falls in punishing the people 
who breed dogs for for the worst of the breed for the ring, the fighting rings and such. But just because they're there and they have a need doesn't mean if you're not the right person, you can fill that need. And that's right. It sounds kind of cold hearted or such, but it's we have to be realistic. Those of us who actually train and work with animals don't get as emotional in those times. We have to be practical, use science, best practices. We talk about all the time, animal husbandry. And uh, boy, that's that's a tough one. And I'm glad we tackled that. I, I heard a little bit about it, but um, I struggle with that. I, I feel like that we have to really think about the animals we're bringing into our homes and our neighborhoods. Yeah. being able to handle them and just because we want them to be happy and safe in our home doesn't mean that that's happening. And it's not a yes or a no. It's not a all one or all the other. Yeah. We we have a tendency with these issues issues to paint with a very broad stroke. And that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of detail, there's a lot of pros, there's a lot of cons. There's a lot of like you said it's a dilemma. Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of the issues that we've talked about uh, through these different episodes, it's a dilemma of certain things. Disney um, did training years ago. I have a girlfriend who was a uh, vice president or director at Disney, and they brought in their upper level staff to have training to, about to understand the, the difference between a dilemma and a problem you can solve. Mm-hmm. And a dilemma, you're just trying to arrive at the best you can and yeah. keep working towards it where a problem might have a solution, right? Yeah. And um, I've never forgot that. And I think about that all the time. Is this a dilemma or is this something we can solve right now? And boy, if there's something that's a dilemma, it's, and because it's become so emotional and we've taken the science and the reality and best practices out of it, it's a huge topic. It's even worse than it needs to be. And with the breed specific legislation, whether or not we should ban specific breeds or the, the saying is it's the deed, not the breed. Mm -hmm. I, I struggle with it. I've seen a lot of things that make me feel like bans might be in order, but I'm trying to be open-minded about it. So I think that was a very real episode and I'm, I'm proud that we took it on. Yeah, a um, lot more reading to do about that. And I guess if anything, what we're prompting you to do if you're listening is delve a little deeper into these instead of just staying at the surface with the happy face or the sad face. Be the hmm, the thinking face. Be thoughtful. Be curious and try to try to learn more about these. We're we're touching the surface and putting sometimes our opinion. Sometimes we're just saying this is what's out there and what do you think about it. I probably am more opinion based than you, Tommy. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little. And but That's this okay. has made me think about that more when I listen to these and hear myself. Um, I'm usually still good with it, but I do understand that I I have a bold demeanor. You know, I'm an animal trainer. Put my shoulders back, lead with my chin, and um, so this has been a good like you said for me uh to to do these podcasts as well i get a lot of out of it myself and i do think more about how i'm training my animals so i hope others are getting 
as much as we're getting. If if we're the only ones getting something out of it, it's still worth it, right? We still we're still benefiting, Tommy. <laughs> it's, it's cathartic. It for is. Ourselves. It is. But yeah, check out our podcast. There's again, you know, operant conditioning. Uh, where to get your dogs, emergency planning, vacationing with your pets. What does socializing mean? It doesn't mean gathering with your friends for a drink for dogs. It's a whole different, as you said, socializing should, in my world, and you said this would be called training or educating your animal. Yeah. We talked to my daughter about uh, millennial thoughts on animals, and that was a fun conversation. I will say there were some elephants worked into that. <laughs> Talked a little bit about elephants, but who doesn't love elephants? Come on. It's not completely dog information. Yeah, but it, it was fun. And, uh, you know, how to deal with warm weather. And then uh, one of the more recent ones was the raw food, the diet. And we that's tried to break one that that's down. That's big on my list. Yep. Yeah. That was big. I mean, that I'm hearing so much about that. I, I, I find myself a bit even frustrated because there's a lot of scare tactics around yeah. that on both sides of it. You should only feed a raw diet because other food is crap or a raw diet's going to be horrible and your dog's going to get sick. So, I mean, I'm a middle person all the way. Give me a little That's kibble, a, a little wet food, and I'm good yeah, to go. Yeah, another one of those. The middle Streams. is probably yeah. the best. yeah where we think it's all or nothing. We think it's a zero or a 10, um, but really in the middle is probably where you need to be. And changing your dog food up dramatically is not any any animal food, even people. You know, to go from your kibble to say, I'm getting rid of that, I'm going to the raw diet. That's a slow phase in for sure. Yeah. And my, so, yeah. My favorite thing I said on that, uh, episode was that most people don't have a, a real understanding of human nutrition. So I'm not sure that they should be making decisions about their dog's nutrition yeah, um, or, or have opinions that uh, differ from people who do this professionally. Exactly. Have a lot of science and education behind them. That was very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. Uh, so upcoming episodes, we will have a nutritionist on. And also we're going to have a vet on to talk about the, what they see at the clinic. Cause you've, you've done some of that uh, bringing animals in and the behavior of animals, but we're going to have a vet on to talk through that more. And also mm-hmm. a groomer. I, my friend is a world-class groomer. She's done the Westminster dog show and stuff. And I want her to come in and talk about our own personal grooming. Cause I groom my own dogs probably because I'm thrifty, but <laughs> I, I enjoy doing it and it's part of their training. I'm the yeah. one saying sit still and you got to behave and I'm doing your nails and I'm doing your face. And so it's important to me to do that. And it's a good, good with me, you know, to get with my dogs and do that. But so those are some of the upcoming episodes and, and things just come up in life. We talked about Biden's dog 10 times in four months. I actually just saw an update on that in just wow. the past several months has bitten four, 10 times. Yeah. Not, not good. So we, we break that down on our last episode too. Training so. nightmare and a PR nightmare. It is. And it, it, we need to be very real about that. So mm-hmm. that's what our podcast is about. So hopefully you have an overview and are intrigued and want to take a listen to that. So I think that wraps up our recap, unless you have something else on that, Tommy. I think that covers all the highlights. Okay, good. Well, we're going to move on to our pet peeve segment. 
And um, I hear other trainers say this, and I always laugh. And one of the things you'll hear is, it took you 10 years to screw up your dog, and you expect me to fix it in one or two sessions. <laughs> and what you've done is you've trained your dog, but in a not a positive way. So they've been trained or, as you said, behaviors they've taken on their own that are not good and they've gotten to a point where the owner has to say it's got to stop and it could even be a puppy that you're not starting to train but you want us to fix something in you know as trainers like how quick can you fix it well let's see it took you eight years to get there so I might need three sessions you know it's like so that's kind of a pet peeve that put the money in on the front side and the time it's not always money but Get a professional if you need one. Again, if you're not seeing a change week to week, you're not you're not progressing, and um, it's not because your dog is slow. It's something you're not able to do right. And I might be able as a trainer to come in and just say, "Nope, just just be more insistent or do this." And you're like, "Oh," or I might need to to take your dog and train him at my house, or I might need to walk you through it for you know a dozen sessions. Whatever that is, it'll be the best money and time you will ever, ever spend. And if you have a dog that's not young and you are having problems, get it fixed. Do right by those animals and hire that trainer. Again, it's the best money and time you will ever spend. But be realistic and don't give your trainer grief. You should be able to tell who's trying to take advantage of you and who's not. Interview a few trainers. Yeah. Find the consensus. That's how you'll know. Find the consensus. And um, then the one that you feel like, you know, don't be afraid to ask them questions. I make my clients ask me questions because people are shy, you know. Or, or ask for referrals. Ask Absolutely. Uh, you With know, social media. Referrals. That's right. We get, you can have reviews and I have testimonials. Call the people I'm providing testimonials from, you know. Yeah. But definitely do right by your animals. It's the most loving and responsible thing you can do. And you will enjoy it so much more than that dog who pulls you down the street, darts out of the house and you're afraid he's going to get killed in traffic, barks and jumps on everybody that can be fixed and it doesn't take forever to do that. So these are problems that have solutions. Absolutely. Boy, talk about solutions. That's why (laughs) I love animal training because we have solutions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not rocket surgery. (laughs) No. No. I think that's two different things at rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) It's not rocket surgery, Tommy. There you go. Okay. So um, just just be willing to put in the time and or money. And the earlier you can do that, the better. I, I guarantee you, you'll be happy with the results. And I actually, I have a guarantee. I mean, if there's a point where you don't feel like I'm doing right, I'm either going to refund you or not charge you for that session or something. So yeah, it's never happened. Excellent. But I feel that confident. <laughs> if I've assessed it and said I can help you, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can help you. So, Good. yeah. So, All Tommy, right. you were up to the trainer tip. What do you have? So, my trainer tip, we kind of alluded to this and touched on this on a previous episode. And uh, thinking back to the operant conditioning quadrants, and um, I explained, I think of it as a sort of a number grid um, where you have the uh, up and down, right to left. 
and we want to live in the extreme upper quadrant all the way out, upper quadrant all the way out the other way. Um, you should always be trying to come back to the center of that, right. which is getting to basically zero, um, where you're you're not having to use a treat for every time that you ask the dog to do something. Mm-hmm. You're not having to negatively reinforce and take the pressure away uh, to get the animal to do the behavior. You're not having to um, punish a behavior continually. Yeah, it, You get back to that center, that zero, where you can do almost nothing and communicate with that animal. Yeah. Um, so you cannot live in these outlying areas and be at a 10 all the time. You've, you've got to start bringing it in. Um, so from a scientific perspective and as far as the like positive reinforcement, you have a reinforcement schedule, a schedule of reinforcers. How often are you reinforcing that behavior? The same for punishment or extinguishment. You schedule how often you're interacting with that behavior. And at first it's interacting all the time. It's rewarding every single time at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you get where it's intermittent and then it's getting to where it's maybe, you know, every fifth or 10th time. And then eventually it gets where you don't need that treat anymore, or you don't need that leash anymore, or you don't need to have the whip in your hand anymore or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you get away from using all of our training aids, training aids to get to where you have, you don't need anything. But, so you, you know, should always be working back towards the center. And that part that uh, piggybacks perfectly off of what I said about, you know, it took you eight years to get your dog in this position that now you want us to fix in one or two sessions. If you're living in those outliers, the tens and not coming back to the, the center, the middle, um, you've you've got a problem. Recognize it and let's get it fixed because it's a beautiful thing to have a great relationship with an animal that you can depend on and predict their mm-hmm. behavior. You can you just said with Jimmy Dean, you can predict what he's going to do in certain things, and I that's I live and die on that in show business. I have to predict how my animals are going to react. When I book a show or I say we can do X, Y, and Z movie animals, all, you know, uh, service animals, uh, working animals. Competition. Yeah. I mean, and that brings out a whole nother level of uh, having to work on the spot. Yeah. That that's a big deal. Absolutely. So again, I can't say this enough. If you are, have a dog, uh, specifically a dog that you're having that a lot of trouble with, and you're just allowing it to go on. You're just reinforcing it by allowing it. Just stop the press and let's sort that out. I promise you, it'll be the best investment of time and money you will ever make. And it's it's just lovely to have a wonderful relationship and not don't don't expect bad behavior. Don't allow your dog to bark incessantly and jump on people and do that. It is all fixable. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's a reward for the animal to do that for them. So, yeah, yeah, it helps them be happier. Absolutely. There might, you'll find, you'll have a calmer, more stable more animal. Than, yeah, absolutely. We use the word content a lot in the animal world instead of happy, but yeah. content. Yeah. So we get excited about this because we know it's possible. 
So please set your bar high and expect good things and train towards it. And you will have, you will just have a wonderful relationship and your dog will be taken care of for life, no matter what happens to you, which is the most important part of that. Well, Tommy, once again, thank you so much. I enjoy doing this with you. Yes. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Great. And uh, I hope those of you listening will subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it, and please share it. Help us find a following, help us share this information. We spend a lot of time gathering it and we're passionate about it, obviously. So, um, and please join us next time for more doggone good information.